Broadcasting from the Cradle of Liberty in Philadelphia. All the way to the rhythm and blues of Beale Street in Memphis. To high atop the Wasatch Mountains in Utah. This is where politically correct perception meets common sense. This is the Joe Carey Show. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Joe Carey Show right here on K-Talk 1640 AM, the Loving Liberty Radio Network and KYAH in Central Utah. Thanks for uh, tuning in. You know, we have a, uh, an incredible situation developing at the uh, presidential level, which uh, I've got to comment on. I mean, the press has always been anxious to um, create an issue with Donald Trump's mental health. I mean, on CNN, they actually had – what school was it? Was it Duke University? I can't remember. But, you know, this uh, credentialed expert saying that, look, I don't think Trump has any mental issues, but, you know, if it would help us impeach him, sure, run with it. I mean, what an indictment of that man. You talk about Trump derangement syndrome. You talk about Donald Trump breaking people like Rob Reiner, you know, meathead. He's broken Rob Reiner. Reiner can't get on Twitter without tweeting something about Donald Trump. He's fixated. Trump is in his head. And when you decide to abandon your principles, when you decide to abandon what you believe in, because you think it's going to score some political points, the other side is one. Right? They're already up. So everybody's focused on Trump, and, and we're going to talk about Trump and, you know, nuking the hurricanes, and that certainly doesn't help the narrative that, you know, you've got your act together. But I want to talk about Joe Biden, because this man, if, if you want to talk about anyone on the slippery slope uh, that occurs as we get older, it's Joe Biden. On Friday, he's giving a speech, and he's trying to remember the university he just spoke at, like 40 minutes earlier, he's at this university. He gives a speech. He can't remember the name of the university during his second speech. So he says to the audience, uh, you know, I'm not going nuts. Well, here's a news flash: When you've got to tell people you're not going nuts, a good sign that uh, you may be on that path. And I'm telling you, I, I know that the smart money, I know the political money is saying Joe Biden, he's leading in the polls, he's going to be the nominee. I am convinced that he will not be the nominee. The left is ripping him apart publicly, and he's not getting the money privately. It's going to Bernie Sanders. It's going to Elizabeth Warren. And he brings a lot of that on himself. Like, you know, he, and, and look, he talked about JFK and MLK being killed in the 70s when it was the 60s. Remember that famous line, you know, poor kids are just as talented as white kids. And then he claimed to have been the vice president during the 2018 Parkland shooting. Now, remember, this is a man who lied in law school, right? He uh, plagiarized in law school. And then when he ran for president, he plagiarized a speech given by politicians in uh, the United Kingdom. Not only did he pilfer their words, he pilfered their mannerisms of the speech. So this is a guy that struggles with the truth. And I think that's part of the reason he's having these difficulties, because as a politician, he was never, never tethered. What do I need to say? How do I need to say it to win? 
and that's brought him far in the game. But it's left him unprepared for honesty. So he's speaking about health care. And this is what he said. He said, the public option will be available in my plan. We'll, and this is his quote, we'll make sure it's not quality. We'll make sure it's only affordable. Now, that's a gaffe. Like, I believe that is, you know, who's going to say we're going to make sure it's not quality? But my best one, my favorite Bidenism, is he said it this weekend. He said, um, and for the folks in the working class... Well, that's not. He's talking about how their premiums are going to go up. Oh, this is the best line. He's campaigning um, in New Hampshire. And he was asked, you know, well, what do you think about the state? And his response was, what's not to like about Vermont? That's classic. That's absolutely. You're in New Hampshire campaigning. You're asked about it. And he's like, well, what, what's there not to like about Vermont? I think it is completely appropriate to look at our leaders, especially the president. And are they prepared for the most demanding job on the planet? It is clear, because these aren't just gaffes, right? I mean, the, the Biden campaign is going to try to make them into gaffes. But there are some things that are really red flags, and the media wants to ignore it. They don't want to ask the hard questions. But when it comes to Trump, can you believe if Trump would have said any of those things? Can you believe if Trump were campaigning and you, in New Hampshire and he were to say, what's there not to like about Vermont? The media would destroy him. It would be relentless. But Biden, he gets a pass, but it's not going to be enough. It's really not. Now, that leads to the second story, which I got to say, I, I, and I'm torn on this. I really am, because I don't know if Trump said it or didn't say it. I really don't. And that is, you know, uh, there's a story, an anonymous source, who said that during a meeting, Trump suggested, apparently in all seriousness, when he was told, look, we're entering hurricane season, these hurricanes make their way across the Atlantic, and they hit the East Coast. Trump allegedly is accused of saying or asking, well, why don't we just nuke the hurricanes? Now, there's a certain amount of logic, that, of simple logic that just appeals to you, right? You're like, well, yeah, I guess why not? What's well, the same reason we don't nuke traffic on I-15 at 5 o'clock? Yes, it solves the problem, but it creates different problems, right? Like, yeah, you're not stuck in traffic, but there is this little thing of radioactive fallout. But I did solve the traffic problem. So the media comes out with this story. And this is what I want to focus on. I don't want you to focus on did Trump say it or didn't he? Look, I think if he said it, it was done in jest because I, I don't think anybody would entertain. Look, I understand the comms that maybe we drop conventional bomb. Maybe there's a way to defuse it that would be successful. I don't know. But I don't accept the fact that Donald Trump is saying, yeah, let's nuke these hurricanes before uh, they form. 
But this is what I want you to focus on, because you can never prove or disprove whether or not Trump said it. Trump's already come out and said he didn't say it. But think about the way this story came out, the timing. I used to work in the media. I know all about using timing to either help or destroy a particular narrative. Now, where is Trump? Trump's right. He's over in France. He's doing the thing with the G7. And the stories have been positive, right? There's no blow up. He's not fighting with Merkel. He's not fighting with Macron. It's going well. He just announces he signed a trade deal, a bilateral trade deal, or he's negotiated one with Japan, where the farmers right now are hurting because of the tariffs with China. China's not importing as much corn, so our farmers are hurting because there's no one to buy their corn. He just sign, or, uh, signs an agreement with Japan where Japan is going to purchase all the corn that we used to send to China that they're not buying anymore. That's huge. That's monumental. So you have him riding high on the G7. You then have him successfully negotiating this tentative deal with Japan. And then you have Trump coming out and saying, you know what, China, they're begging to uh, restart trade talks. That's fantastic news for the president. So when all this good news is coming out, what happens? Oh, yeah, let me tell you this. The president just suggested a nuking hurricane. Well, when did he say it? The story that broke about Trump nuking the hurricanes, there's no timeline. It's not like he said it yesterday. It's not like he said it last month. There's no timeline given. So we don't know when he said it. We don't know which meeting he said it in, and we don't know if he was serious or not. You know what the media is doing? They're running with it. Shame on them. Hey, when we come back, I want to talk about David Koch, a philanthropist, big supporter of the libertarian and conservative movement. He passed away. We'll have that story and more right after this break on The Joe Carey Show. Do you think Donald Trump talked about nuking a hurricane? Do you really think that came up? My suspicion is if you're on the left, you're all in, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yes, Donald Trump, can you believe it? He actually wanted to nuke a hurricane. And if you're on the right, you're going to say, chances are no. Or if he said it, he was joking. And my suspicion is that's what it is, that, you know, he probably did say it. It was probably said as sarcasm, very sarcastic individual, right? And, you know, Eastern sarcasm, meaning back East, it's an acquired taste. You don't always get it. Even at my office, you know, our office manager, Mariah, you know, she doesn't get my humor. And sometimes she'll be like, Joe, why are you, why are you talking that way? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm trying to be funny. 
So, you know, and meanwhile, she's crying, you know, in both her hands, like thinking I'm attacking her verbally. I'm like, no, no, it's just sarcasm. The cookies taste great. Um, so I want to talk about uh, this fire that's raging in the Amazon. Now, earlier in this show, I think like two weeks ago, we talked about deep fakes. And that is, you know, video or photos that are so doctored and so well edited that you can't tell what's true and what's not true. Now, if you want to see how a story full of fake news takes off, let's talk about what's happening in the Amazon rainforest. Right? There's fire, and it's a big fire. I want to read this article from Forbes magazine that just came out. And look at how the progressive left manipulates and uses mainstream media to push a narrative. And thank goodness for talk radio, thank goodness for social media to counter these deep fakes. Listen to this. The increase in fires burning in Brazil set off a storm of international outrage. Celebrities, environmentalists, and political leaders blame Brazilian president for destroying the world's largest rainforest. The Amazon, which they say is, quote, the lungs of the world. Now listen to this. Singers and actors, including Madonna and Jaden Smith, shared photos on social media that were seen, posted, and retweeted by tens of millions of people. Leonardo DiCaprio said, the lungs of the earth are in flames. Soccer star, is it Cristiano Ronaldo? He said the Amazon rainforest produces more than 20% of the world's oxygen. French President Emmanuel Macron said the Amazon rainforest, the lungs which produce 20% of our planet's oxygen, is on fire. And if you're on social media, you, you were inundated with not only the celebrities and the elites, but well-intentioned neighbors saying the same thing. Listen to this. But the photos which were shared weren't actually of the fires that are now taking place in the Amazon. And many of the photos weren't even photos of the Amazon. The photo that superstar Ronaldo shared was taken in southern Brazil in 2013, but nowhere near the Amazon rainforest. The photo that Leonardo DiCaprio and even French President Macron shared, over 20 years old. So they're sending out a narrative that, take a look at this photo. The lungs of the earth are on fire. And the photo was taken 20 years ago? The Forbes article goes on to say that the photo that Madonna and Jaden Smith shared over three decades old. What? The, we live in the world of, of iPhones and internet, and you've got to dig up a photo that's 20 years old or 30 years old, and you either don't know, you don't care, or it's intentional that you push this out and say, look at these fires. Some celebrities even shared photos where the fires that were pictured took place in Montana, India, and Sweden. What? 
right? Because to the progressive left, the ends justifies the means. And if we have to lie to you and we've got to push a narrative, we'll do it because the truth doesn't matter. We'll show you a photo that's 20 years old, that's 30 years old, that's from Montana, India, or Sweden, and we will tell you this is happening in the Amazon. The Earth's lungs are on fire. This is incredible. The article goes on, to their credit, CNN and the New York Times debunked the photos and the misinformation about the fires. Deforestation is neither new nor limited to one nation. These fires were not caused by climate change. That was the New York Times. But both publications repeated the claim that the Amazon... The Amazon is the lungs of the world. That sentence sounds wrong. The claim that the Amazon is the lungs of the world? The claim the Amazon are the lungs. Well, Amazon is the lungs of the world. Right? So you have CNN and the New York Times saying, hey, this isn't climate change related. But the lungs of the world are on fire. So this Forbes reporter, he does what a good journalist should do. He goes to an expert. And he asks one of the world's leading Amazon forest experts, Dan Nepstead, hey, uh, there are people saying these are the lungs of the world. What do you say about that? You know what his response was? It's bull crap, except he didn't say crap. There's no science behind it. The Amazon does produce a lot of oxygen, but it uses the same amount of oxygen through respiration. So it's a wash. It is not a net producer of oxygen. But wait, Leonardo DiCaprio and Madonna said it's the lungs of the world. Must be a collapsed lung. So you have everybody talk about the lungs of the world, but it really doesn't produce any excess oxygen. Now listen to these stats. CNN reported the fires are burning at a record rate in the Amazon forest. One leading climate reporter said the current fires are without precedent in the past 20,000 years. Were we keeping track 20,000 years ago? But listen to the truth. While the number of fires in 2019 is indeed 80% higher than in 2018, it's just 7% higher than the average over the last 10 years. Even one of Brazil's leading environmental journalists agrees that media coverage of the fires has been misleading, right? And the reason it's misleading is because they're trying to pin this on the current president who happens to be conservative. So the truth doesn't matter because we've got to target this new president. This environmental journalist says it was under the Workers' Party president that Brazil had the highest incident of burning. But neither the Workers' Party president or the environmental secretary were accused of putting the Amazon at risk. No, that's save for the conservative president. So listen to this. This is the conclusion by Forbes. So while fires in Brazil have increased, there is zero evidence that Amazon forest fires have increased. 
Remember, it's your job, your responsibility to do your homework. It's your responsibility to make sure you do the math and you know the truth behind the fake stories and the fake news that is coming out. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this commercial message. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM, the Loving Liberty Radio Network, and KYAH uh, throughout Central Utah. And again, the Loving Liberty Radio Network, coast to coast. Uh, go to lovingliberty.net, download the app. Um, Great opportunity to listen to all the talent, live programming from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Download the app today. I'm really excited by our next guest. It's, uh, uh, you know, Brian, you know, you've lived out west, so you've met people like, uh, you know, they talk the talk, but they're really not able to close the deal on what they're talking about. Does, Does that make sense? You know, in Texas, they say, you know, for people like that, you know, they're all hat, no cattle. And I have to tell you, our next guest, Charlie Jenkins, is just the opposite. This guy is the real deal. He grew up on a farm. He understands uh, hard work, and he understands good values, and he has a love and passion for country music. Please help me welcome Charlie Jenkins to the show. Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And you're local to Utah, is that right? I am, yeah. So I grew up in, in Roosevelt, Utah, and um, yeah, and I live in, in Heber City now. So um, still, I mean, the, the Wasatch Mountains and the Uinta Mountains are in my backyard. I love those. Now, I've heard this. I don't have any proof, but I've heard that you can rope a cattle. Is that true? Yeah, we grew up. I got to, you know, it's very unique uh being raised when, as a kid, you get to know the, your state and your surrounding area with a horse trailer on the back of your, your truck, and every weekend going hitting different rodeos with family members or you're participating yourself. So it was a it was a family tradition. It started with my grandfather who, who roped, and and uh, and then you know as a kid I got to hear him announce rodeos. So it goes all the way from being in the arena to to, to announcing it. It was it was part of our lifestyle. Well, that's amazing. Let me let me share this bio with you um, because you're going to be uh, too humble to share it yourself. But you know, he grew uh, growing up from Roosevelt, Utah. Now, listen to this: in the summer of 2008, Charlie Jenkins was selected out of 45,000 contestants to be one of 12 finalists to compete on the Nashville Star, which aired on NBC. He's also sung on the Today Show, which is the most popular morning day show. And then listen to this. Uh, Charlie Jenkins, his career has been gaining uh, momentum. He has opened for many 
country music stars, including Leanne Rimes, Alan Jackson, Lone Star, Montgomery Gentry, Kelly Pickler, Taylor Swift, Josh Turner, and many others. So let me just ask you this, Charlie, before we jump into uh, some of the specifics of why you're on. A lot of people say you never want to meet your heroes uh, because you usually walk away disappointed. And, and what's been your experience as you've opened for some of the biggest names in country music and you've gotten to know them? Yeah, um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I can understand why people would have that uh, because if you, ha- you have this, this mental idea of what they're like and you're, you're, you know, you're picking up that idea, and, and if it maybe deviates a little bit, I can see why they would be disappointed. But um, you know, a lot of times when I'm, I'm getting a chance to open, you know, we're so concerned about our show and kind of setting it up that um, we don't necessarily have a, a ton of time to, to visit with the headliner. And there are times where that definitely isn't the case. But what I've, I've learned that what I've, what I've tried to take from – those opportunities is and it was my same approach even living in nashville was i looked at it as an education and not a competition and i just every time i watch another artist i'm it might not look like i'm enjoying it but what i'm doing is probably analyzing it and thinking what can i take from this experience of watching a successful super talented person and band on stage and and maybe take uh, if it's one thing and and add it to our show or, you know, have it in my pocket if I ever need to pull it out. That is, um, that's kind of my approach every time I go. I, I look at it as an education. There's been a ton of people that I've admired, and each one of them I've taken a little bit from. I think that's uh, fantastic advice. I love what you said about it being an education, not a competition. Let's talk about what uh, you'll be doing here in Utah on September 7th. You are working with Honor 365, the Colonial Flag Foundation, uh, for their annual event at uh, Sandy City Hall. And you're doing a benefit concert for Honor 365 and the Colonial Flag Foundation. Can you tell us what got you involved in that, how you were pulled into that, and why you do it? Yeah, so... I think, first and foremost, um, you know, I'm, unfortunately, there's generations now that didn't, ex- not unfortunately, but, there, you know, there are generations now that didn't experience 9-11. And, and, and this, is, this event is, is very um, personal, very uh, active visual with every flag that is placed out colonial flag donates these flags and, and they're placed out and there's a flag for each person that lost their life on 9-11 and um i think we can all can remember where we were and and how that changed our perspective and our lives and i remember as a kid doing an interview on world war ii and talking to my grandmother about pearl harbor and how that affected her life and i i tried my best to relate but i really couldn't as much as i could to 9-11 and so this this event is to remember that and, and more importantly, it's a celebration of life. I, I, I recently got to listen to an amazing man who, who, you know, was a Navy SEAL and lost both of his legs. And, and he talked about that, you know, he used to, when a friend would die, maybe go down to the bar and have a beer and, and celebrate their life that way. And he says, not anymore. He said, the best thing I can do is go out and have fun with my kids and enjoy the time that I have. And so what this event is, it's a celebration of life 
the fact that we are blessed that we have, you know, we get to, to wake up every day and do what we do, and, and we don't want to take it for granted. I don't think anybody that's passed on would want us to sit in misery. But they would also want us to remember that 9-11 brought this country together. And uh, that was one of the most powerful things, I think, that came from that. And it, it seems like it's quickly fallen away. But if we can somehow capture what 9-11 did to our country as far as bringing it together and uniting it, uh, I hope then we would have a successful event. And I got involved with this because Honor 365 is a great charity that really focuses on creating mental health awareness and, and services to those the first responders that go and every day deal with traumatic experiences that I'm um, imagining, you know, they close their eyes and have to deal with. And, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've had some small experiences, but nothing compares to what they go to on a daily basis. And, and they need the outlets and the resources to be able to um, talk and get the right help and kind of to be able to give the tools to cope with that. You know, I think um, I'm, everything you're saying, Charlie, I'm just nodding in agreement. I have three young kids, and they don't uh, remember. They weren't here for uh, 9-11. And, you know, we've been to the healing field together. We've been to the one in Sandy. And to walk that field in the day or the night to experience, uh, for me, it's sacred ground. It's yeah. just an amazing experience, and you are 100% right. It is our responsibility and duty to pass that on, because if we don't do that, uh, we're dishonoring the, the memories and the families of the people who lost their lives on 9-11, and after that, uh, defending our freedoms, defending our way of life, um, let me just uh, mention uh, the Healing Field. If you go to healingfield.org backslash Utah, healingfield.org backslash Utah, you're going to see uh, the information for the free benefit concert. You know, thank you, uh, Charlie Jenkins, for donating your time. You're coming there. You're performing for free. So we can provide the tickets for free. And that's September oh. 7th at 6 p.m. at Sandy City Hall. Uh only 12 days left go there now like i said you have to register but you don't have to buy the tickets and charlie thank you for that you bet and you know i just want to mention that this is going to be a concert that uh everyone from grandma down to the toddler can come and feel comfortable and we're going to play a, a variety of music regardless whether you're used to us and we're we're going to hopefully have a very positive and again a celebration of uh, of life with the background of those who, who would want us to feel that way. And, again, I hope we capture some of that that power and that spirit of what happened after 9-11, and we remember that. Charlie, I want you to know I'm in Philadelphia. I'm actually flying in a week early so I can attend your benefit concert. I am excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And please, bring your family, bring your friends, September 7th, Go to healingfield.org backslash Utah. Charlie, I hope we have you on again before the event. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Have a good day. A great interview.
Hey, welcome back to the Joe Carey Show right here on K Talk 1640 AM, KYAH, and the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Go to lovingliberty.net, download the app, listen to the app, and support the sponsors you hear on the network. It's how they pay the bills. Um, you know, I want to um, discuss, you know, we heard a little bit briefly about uh, David Koch. He's passed away. Uh, I think he was 79 years old. A big uh, money guy behind many libertarian projects, uh, some that you'll be familiar with, some that you won't be. Also a big donor and supporter of conservative causes. The visceral hatred coming out of the left following his death. Uh, and I have a whole bunch of tweets that I can read and just what people were saying about him passing away. Right, And this is the issue. When we define people based on politics, we find the one issue that we like or we don't like, and we either use it to build up or smother the target of our hatred or our affection. And it's sad. It really is. And kudos to Bernie Sanders when uh, people were going off on David Koch and celebrating his death. Bernie did the right thing. He said, you know what, look, we're not here to talk about that, and, and that's not appropriate. We need more of that. We need more of that regardless of what side of the spectrum you're on. Having said that, let's go to a Ray who has been a very patiently holding. Uh, go ahead, Ray. You're on the air. Wow, thank you, Joe, for taking my call. And this, this is strange what you just said. Um, it's almost like there's a supernatural force taking place right now. Um, I have some notes down here. That's what, what my kids say. Said, when, that's what my kids say whenever I make dinner. Said is what my notes is all about, and this is too strange to be a coincidence. I, I but anyway, I'll just continue. You know, as far as politics, you know, smothering opponents' point of view, you know, and, and governments or ideologies even getting to the point of fake scenarios, you know, where the in justify the means. I mean, this is. To me, the biggest flaw in Russia, communism, you know, socialism, China, Germany, Hitler, you know, where we can't deal with truth. The ends are supposed to justify means like we're playing God. We're going to create an outcome as if we even have a chance in hell <laughs> to, you know, create an outcome of world events. My goodness. But just to wrap this up, what I'm saying I mean, look at global warming and Al Gore and the flooding of the East Coast in 2012. I mean, how absurd and changing global warming to climate change. And I, I just like to say that the, the natural course of things, you know, I mean, you know, e either we have a natural course of things or we have a godly course. One or two things is the history of this world. And people talk about overpopulation. When I drive in a truck, there is so much land everywhere. People live in the city and thinks there's a huge crisis, you know, that we have to look two, three generations ahead. And we think we're going to control this, the way we blunder through history. So my main point is this. There's two philosophies. Why don't we meet halfway? Isn't that the strength of America to meet the two opposites? Democrat and Republican, you know, meet halfway. Isn't diversity, can't diversity, isn't that our strength where we come together? Instead of the liberals and conservatives destroying each other like this fake dossier they went after Trump, 
why don't we join together and look at both sides and come together with a more practical solution instead of just one extreme or the other? That's Who's a great point, another? Ray. That's a great point. Thank you for calling, and I appreciate that. He, he's spot on. He, he, Ray is spot on the money. And I would just take it a step further and say, let's walk away from politics. You know, this past week, my uh, son was on a high adventure, and I had the the opportunity and blessing to be able to go with him on that high adventure. And one of the things we did together was, you know, I don't know where he's picked this up, but he has this love for fishing. And so we went to the Poconos out here in Pennsylvania, and uh, we tried fishing without bait. And I'm Googling, you know, okay, how do you catch bass? Like, that's our fishing experience, right? How do you catch bait? Can you catch them without bait? So the boys are out there. They're fishing all day. No bites. No nothing. So then we see someone else who has caught fish. And we say, well, how, what are you doing? How are you doing that? They're like, oh, you have to use these minnows. And I thought minnows were like tiny fish. Apparently they're not. So we went and we bought minnows. And minnows are... Brian, have you been fishing with minnows before? They're pretty big fish. Well, there's no way I can put a minnow on a hook. That's not going to happen in anyone's lifetime. And none of the boys would hook the minnows to the hook. Like, they're like, oh, this is a... And I got to give Josh credit. He goes right in there. He puts the minnow in. You know, they taught us in the store where we bought them how to do it. And can I tell you, using the right bait, we started to catch some fish. Well, that's a problem. Because none of us knew how to get the hooks out of the fish. Like, if it catches it on, like, the the lip part of the fish, you know, it's pretty easy. But sometimes the, the hook was pretty embedded. But can I tell you that those are the problems, or I should call them the opportunities that I welcome. And I hope that you welcome them too. Right? I hope that you recognize that it can't be all politics all the time. It will consume you. It really will. And it's not only about having tolerance and respect for the other side. Part of it is just saying, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to spend my time doing the things that I should be doing. It's kind of like what Charlie Jenkins said, right? Yeah, you know, we can go to the bar, we can have the beer and celebrate someone's memory. And I think that's appropriate. But wow, isn't it even more liberating for you? And your loved ones to say the best way to remember someone is to build those relationships with family and friends. And politicians, I mean, that's their kryptonite. As long as we're talking politics, as long as we think guns are the most important or immigration is the most important thing or climate change... As long as we believe that, the only people winning are the politicians. I guarantee it. They're the only ones. It's when we say, you know what's more important than politics? It's my family. You know what's more important than politics? It's the relationship I have with my friends. Do I know my neighbor? Do I know who needs help? 
That is liberating. And the true answers to the issues that plague our country in terms of lack of civility, lack of kindness, those answers will never be found in the halls of Congress. They're not going to be found, you know, on that little hill in Salt Lake where the Capitol building is. Those answers are going to be found at the kitchen table. They're going to be found um, in discussions you have with family and friends. It's going to be found when you have that discussion with a stranger at Walmart. We need to do more of those things and less of the politics. Now, and that may sound odd coming from someone who, you know, I talk about politics every day. You know, to an extent, I was involved in politics very remotely because I was always under the belief, wow, if we really want to make change, this is the pathway. This is what we need to do. And as I've, as I've gotten older, I've realized, is it important? Absolutely. Should we be involved? Yes. Actively involved. But the real answers and the real power and the real sense of fulfillment won't come from fighting and winning or fighting and losing political battles. They come from the relationships we build with family and friends. You know, stay tuned. Eric Mutsos up next. Visit LovingLiberty.net. Get our whole program, our whole schedule. Download the Loving Liberty app. And remember, there's only two things you need to do. One, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. To spend time every day getting closer to God. We'll be back tomorrow right here on The Joe Carey Show. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.